Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support. We'd love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. As we continue along in our prayer series on an aspect of prayer that I think is so vital to us. It's so important to us. It's called devoted. Last week we were blessed by a very powerful testimony of Tony and Priscilla de Jesus who shared really just a glimmer of their ongoing relationship as a couple, um, their struggle but growth through prayer as uh, you know they, they lost their son Gabriel. Um, but really the focus was only on that one aspect and that one event you know, of Gabriel's life and how he brought not just them, but us together as a church uh, in corporate prayer. Well, today we are going to be talking and sharing on another testimony, because I think testimonies are important. Everybody's got a testimony. It's his story working in your life, right? And this morning we have another powerful testimony for you all, and uh, I want to ask Mr. Joe to come on up here, and he's going to share his journey in prayer. For those of you that don't know Mr. Joe, Mr. Joe has been dedicated as, um, in the ministry of Awana, and serving for 40 years as of this year, which is fantastic. And for close to 20 years, Mr. Joe, every Sunday um, we have rotational prayer that takes place in, uh, in the back. And Mr. Joe is one of those that takes time to pray on Sundays for the service, for you all, for your prayer, uh, your prayer requests that you know, are the back of the bulletins, and um, you know, on the likes. Uh, those of you that are in that ministry, you know and very familiar with that ministry. We have people such as Desiree, uh, Susan, Chris Garner, and maybe you've served in that ministry at different times of your life, but Mr. Joe has been dedicated to that ministry for many years now. Um, and uh, as many of you know, that um, Mr. Joe had a, a little accident a few years ago when his house flooded from some faulty work that had been done. And uh, when he lay there not knowing what to do, that's when his instinct and something that he had been used to doing kicked in. And he called on God's power and strength to work in his life. And so without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Mr. Joe Pereira. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Cody. I never thought you would have uh, the strength to allow me to speak. <laughs> about, <clears throat> about four years ago, 
this April, I came home from the office, opened the front door, and it was greeted by a waterfall from the second floor and about four inches of water in the house. The water was unable to come out of the house because our house has been hurricane-proofed and the water was trapped. So I went upstairs <clears throat> because I knew that the water was coming from the water heater. I, I had to turn off the water and turn off the gas. While I was up there, my wife came home from teaching school here, and she came up, and <laughs> I love her. She started to call a plumber. I said, honey, I'm coming downstairs and sweep the water out. As I was going down the stairs, my foot was in the water and it slipped and I fell backwards. My head hit the post on the stairway and then hit the tile floor and I blacked out. I, I think it was only 10 or 15 seconds. And then when I woke up, I called to my wife and said, honey, can you hear me? And she says, I'm talking to the plumber. And I said, hang up on the plumber and call 911. <laughs> I'm here and I cannot move. I'm paralyzed. And she hung up. <laughs> and at that time, you, you, those of you know me, you'll understand. I said to myself, self, Pereira, you are a dummy. <laughs> and I said, you're a Christian. What are you supposed to be doing now? You're supposed to be praying. And I prayed. And I remember the words distinctly. I said, dear God, I need you, and I need you now. I cannot move. I, I need your help, please. About five or six seconds after that, I felt a tingling on my fingers in my left arm and I made a fist, and then 
a thrill up my arm, and I, I could bend my arm, and and then I could my put my arm up all the way, and I said, "Thank you, God," but. I'm greedy. How about the other arm? <laughs> God and our, our friends. So the same thing happened. And as I did it on the second arm, the 9-11 crew come to take me to the emergency room as the captain bent down to touch me, I said, don't touch me. God is not done with me yet. And he had his surprised look, and he turned to my wife and, and said, what? She said, don't touch him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, Greedy, reared his ugly head, and says, God, I have legs too. <laughs> and the same thing happened with my legs. I could wiggle my toes, and then I well, thrill up my legs. I could bend them, and uh, that was it. And I said, Thank you, thank you, God. And then I called Mr. 911 and said, I'm ready to go to the emergency room. Bring a chair over here. I want to sit. And that's, that was the event of the day. I, from that day, nothing could shake me, no, nothing could make me sad. I, I was uh, walking, <laughs> I walking a basket of joy and, and I, Love my wife even more. Thank you and bless you. Five minutes. So the power of prayer can come alive in our lives. But part of that is becoming a habit of prayer. When we form the habit of prayer, what ends up happening is in our moments of need, just like Mr. Joe shared, it takes over and it flows through. There's a statement found in the book of Acts that lets us know what God is committed to for those that are devoted and committed to him. 
It's a very small one, and if you're actually reading the entire chapter, entire book, um, you'll probably breeze right through it. You're going to miss it if you're not looking for it. But I believe it's a very significant statement that literally can transform our church, our lives, our community, if we put it into practice what it tells us. If you would, turn with me and let's go there together. We're going to start with that statement and then work backwards because it's so important that we focus in on it. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. We're going to look at the second half of this passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Starting with the word and. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This is a statement about what the Lord was doing through the early church who had devotion to Him. He was making it grow. The number to which He was adding daily was the called out assembly, those who were part of the church who had believed in Him. And it wasn't just a couple here and there. It wasn't just one or two. The Bible lets us know that the people that were coming to be saved were hundreds at a time, thousands at a time. In fact, I love a statement in the book of Acts where it says, and 3,000 came to saving faith that day. This is a statement that describes the growth from a life committed to Christ and what the Lord can do if His people commit to Him. Let me ask you, are you committed to the Lord, brothers and sisters? Uh Uh-oh, we have silence. I might need to ask that one more time so you guys can wake up. At least lie to me. Are you guys committed to the Lord? Yes! You're all liars. No, I'm playing. (laughs) Yes, I hope we are. Then we need to take to heart the fruit that we are going to mine today. You don't really mind fruit, but it's okay. The statement works, right? You see, these individuals were committed to a growth in Christ. Committed to do what they could. Devoted to Him and committed to Him. Friends, I would love this statement to become true for Southwest Community Church. To be true for our communities. For our homes. For the ministries that you serve in. And even bigger, for the United States. But it depends on one word and how you choose to act upon it. If we choose to exercise devotion, it will become part of our muscle memory. I remember when I was in wrestling, my coach, he would have us do repetitions over and over and over and over again. In fact, he would sit there and he would yell, repetition, 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 as he had us drill the same move over and over and over and over and over again. It drove us nuts. 
But what ended up happening is during a match, it came to you like second nature. You didn't even have to think about it. You would automatically do the move during the match because it was grilled into your mind, this is what you do in this situation. And in our own lives, we need to drill into our mind the healthy habits of a believer so when we are in situations that we can't handle, it comes naturally. Mr. Joe was on the floor, couldn't help himself. There was nothing that he could do. But there was something that he, up above, could do. And so through second nature, through repetition, he went to the Lord in prayer. And the book of Acts is a little book that lets us know the Acts of the Apostles, right? The full title is the Acts of the Apostles. But there's so many more people, there's so many more figures that are involved in acting upon God's Word that I think this this title is a little bit misleading. Because the book of Acts mentions relatives of Jesus acting upon His Word in 1st Chapter 1, verse 14. In chapter 1, verse 15, it says there was 120 believers that were acting upon the Word of God. A man renamed for encouraging others in Acts 4.36. Seven men of the Samar- um, giving a food program in Acts 6, 1-6. Believers scattered by persecution, but living the Word of God, Acts 8.4. The despised Samaritans being reached for the sake of the Gospel and now living out the Gospel in their life. Acts 8.5 A former sorcerer or or magician, however you want to call him, a seer, Acts 8.9-13 A Roman officer, Acts 10.1 A businesswoman, Acts 16.14 And a jailer, Acts 16.29-30 Just to name a few people that decided to make a lifestyle Living. And I love that this book doesn't call itself the Bible study of the apostles. I love that this book doesn't say, and we will pray on this, of the apostles. I like that this doesn't say, and they sat down and formed a committee of the apostles. I like that this says, doesn't say, and they formed a Bible study of the apostles. If you get what I'm saying, the book of Acts is called Acts because of what? Action. These were people dedicated to living out the truths of Jesus Christ in their lives. And if they hadn't, then this book would have been called something else. If these people weren't devoted to every word that came out of Jesus' mouth, then this would have just been called the Bible study of the apostles. You see, what we need to start doing in our lives is living out what Jesus has said. These men made it a habit to live God's Word. And I think we see that. As we looked at last week, 
As Peter is under arrest and can't do anything, he's helpless to help himself, and he's standing before Herod, what ends up happening is the people are praying, making it a habit, calling upon the one true God. And the Lord moves. Brothers and sisters, we need to make it a habit to do heavenly things. We need to make it a habit to do heavenly things. We need to make it a habit to live out God's Word. James chapter 1, verse 22, we've talked on this before. It says this, James chapter 1, verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Not too long ago, I gave a sermon on this, and I said there's chewers and doers, right? There's people that sit there and they chew God's Word, they chew God's Word. They're kind of like cows. They put it in their stomach, and then it goes into the next stomach, and it goes into the next stomach, but they never act upon it. But God has called us to live out His Word, to become performers of God's Word, to live out so people may see and praise your Father who's above. But the problem is, is when we hold that in within ourselves, it's like putting the lamp under a bushel. It's useless. It feeds you, okay? So I don't want to take that away about from your personal Bible study. That is part of your devotedness to Him. What I'm saying is if you don't start letting what is coming in live out, then you begin to hide it. You begin to snuff it. And the Bible calls that grieving the Holy Spirit within you. So how do we live out? How would he become doers of the Word of God? The Lord calls us to do His Word. To see what the disciples and apostles did and those that I had mentioned before and become actors of God's Word. To become those that live out what we're taking in. Not actors as in fake people, by the way. Okay, Get off Instagram. Okay, We don't need any more duck lips out there. It gets the name because of the actions of individuals. It gets its name because these people were devoted to Christ so much that it flowed out into their everyday life. That they become devoted to Christ and His Word so much that they began living it and people could see it. And that's what Jesus and the type of commitment that He has called us to as his followers. He said, if, if, if you really want to serve God, if you really want to love people, if you really want this kind of lifestyle, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and everything that's within you. And that's what we're being called to in our life. A life that is devoted and becomes action. 
As we continue on in the book of Acts, we're going to go ahead and now look at the full story of what was taking place, that God would go ahead and look down upon the people and see what they were doing and seeing what they were devoted in and and seeing all that they were doing and said, you know what, I will bless them. I'm going to honor their efforts. So what were they doing that God would smile upon their lives? Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 38. It said, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to Himself. And with many other words, He solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. He's basically calling the Jewish people to change their mind about Jesus Christ. Hey, listen guys, that that Jesus that lived amongst us, that you heard preach on the Sermon on the Mount, that one that called us to love even the Samaritans and the least of these, that one that broke bread until... Man, he'd made five loaves and two fish become enough to feed thousands. That Jesus that hung on the cross. Change your mind about him. You crucified him for blasphemy. But he was who he said he was. That's what it meant to repent for the Jewish people. He was calling them to change their mind about who Jesus was. That Jesus wasn't something false. Jesus wasn't claiming to be something He wasn't. Change your mind because Jesus is. Continues on. So then, those who had received His Word were baptized, and on that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept on feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their properties and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity in heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, Those who are being saved. A bus driver and a ministry both died at the same time. And when they're standing before Peter, because in every joke, Peter's the one that's standing at the pearly gates laying people in. So for the sake of this joke, we're going to do the same thing, okay? (laughs) Consistency. So they stand before Peter at the pearly gates. And the bus driver comes up first, and Peter says, Oh, we know who you are. 
We've been waiting for you. Me? Yes. Do you see that huge mansion up on that hilltop over there? That's yours. Welcome home. Well, the minister is getting excited. Because if a lowly bus driver could get a big giant mansion in the heavenlies, how much bigger and greater is this man going to get who has devoted his life to ministry, right? And so he's just getting excited and he's all, you know, just welling up with pride inside. And he says, Oh, you're the minister. We know you. Wow. <laughs> right? And he says, Do you see that little shack in the valley? That's yours. Enter into the joy of your Savior. Well, the minister wasn't going to stop at just a tiny little shack. So he goes, excuse me. I have devoted my life to teaching and preaching the Word of God and, and just to, to leading people. How in the world does that bus driver get a mansion and I'm stuck in a shack? Well, sadly, Peter responded, well, it seems that when you preach, people fell asleep. But when that bus driver drove, people began praying. <laughs> you see, what God wants to see in the lives of a church, in the lives of His people, say it with me, is action. He wants us to go out with what He has given us and not just sit back and be pew potatoes. Now that you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, it's not about maintaining your salvation or building or adding to your salvation. It's about leading others in their journey with Jesus Christ. What you have can save someone's eternal soul, so take it out there to the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. The reason why the church in Acts was growing and Jesus was blessing that ministry was they weren't sitting back. They were acting. They had action. The word is action and devotion. We need to build healthy habits so they flow from us in times of need. There was no greater need in that church in this time than to experience the persecution of Rome and the, and the heads of the temple. And so what did they do? They devoted themselves to everything of Christ. And the Lord honors those who honor Him. And here we see the honoring is action and the result is growth. There are four things that are mentioned in this passage and we see them lived out within the passage and it's explained within the passage that I want to go ahead and point out to you. It says in the beginning, it says in verse 42, take a look with me, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. We're going to stop there. Now there's an interesting thing that happens and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a grammar geek moment here. But in the Greek, there's something called the Granville-Sharp Rule, okay? And it basically is letting you know that every time anything is connected by this comma or the word chi, which is the word and, 
that it's connected to the same word that is tied in the beginning. So every time it says fellowship, teaching, breaking of bread, and prayer, it's letting you know they were devoted to those things. So it's just an easy way of not having to rewrite the word devoted. Okay, so if we were going to rewrite this according to its proper function of what it's saying, it would say this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were continually devoting themselves to fellowship. They were continually devoting themselves to the breaking of bread. And they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. And so these are the four actions that they took, that they devoted themselves to, that led to, and the Lord was growing their numbers day by day. It starts with the teaching. They weren't just devoted to regular teaching. They weren't just devoted to any type of teaching. They were devoted to the teaching of Jesus Christ, to proper doctrines, to proper feeding. Where he gathered his twelve on this earth around himself, he taught them the truths of the kingdom, he taught them how to pray, he taught them how to fast, he taught them how to live, he taught them how to act. And then when they had forgotten it all, because we're people, right? They all got COVID brain. John 14, 25-26 said that, that Jesus said, hey listen, you're going to forget all this stuff, but the Holy Spirit will come. And He will remind you of everything that I have taught you. And we know that this is true because Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5 tells us that the disciples built upon everything that Jesus had said. He and His words became the chief cornerstone the foundation of the church and everything that he himself would say and do Ephesians 2:20 Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone the foundation and from his word we gain instruction for life amen and that must be what you see within your church you don't go to church to hear the words of self-help. You don't go to church to hear just a, a pep talk. You don't go to church to always hear great words of encouragement. Sometimes you need just to hear what God has to say within His Bible, which is within His Scripture, things that you might be doing wrong. And yes, it hurts. But that is the Holy Spirit bringing to remembrance what you should be doing. And that's why sometimes it hurts. He's saying you're not doing this correctly, so I'm calling you back to it. You've forgotten to do these habits, so I'm calling you back to them. And that's where we come. When we read the New Testament, everything that we're seeing and we're reading and we say, man, these apostles were amazing guys. How could I ever be like them? It's because the Lord was working in their lives and they were devoted to Christ's words. And so we want to be a people devoted to the Word of Christ. That doesn't mean you're not going to fail. Didn't Peter deny Jesus three times? Didn't he become what we would call 
defined theologically as an apostate? Yes, he did. He denied Jesus bold-faced three times. But didn't he come back and commit himself to the actions of the Lord? Yes, he did. It doesn't mean you won't fail. It means you're devoted to having Christ live in you and through you and through your actions of love and peace. We have to keep on going on. I'm sorry, we're running out of time. They were devoted again to fellowship is what the Word of God says. They were devoted to fellowship. Verse 42, it tells us, let's go ahead and look at it, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. We see fellowship lived out in verse 45 and 46. And they began selling their properties and possessions and were sharing with them all who had need. Romans 12 describes it in this way. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Be of the same mind of one to another and associate with the lowly. Verse 46 says, Day by day they were continuing with one mind in the temple. They were devoted to fellowshipping to coming together in one mind, one heart, exhorting the Lord. But what happens today is people forget fellowship. They feel that because they have the Holy Spirit in them, that they don't need to come here together. You ever heard somebody say that? A lot of times people kind of use the excuse as well of COVID. Okay, and, and, and I'm not trying to beat up if you stay home, and, and that's totally fine. I understand that. Be safe, okay? If the Lord has, has committed in your heart to do that, do that. But if you're going out to a baseball game, if you're going out to a football game, if you think it's okay to go ahead and shoot up fireworks in a group of 500 people, if you think it's totally fine to go to a Super Bowl party where there's going to be hundreds of people and they're all going to be dipping in the same chips, then really what you're doing is making excuses and breaking from the habit of coming together. A basketball game, a birthday Christmas, people assemble to celebrate everything, don't they? Well, we're called to assemble to celebrate the Lord. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, go there with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. You see, you can build bad habits. You can build unhealthy habits as a believer. And even in that time, people were not going to church because of the fear of persecution for the fear of martyrdom. They were using that as their excuse. And the writer of Hebrews, he comes and he says, hey, don't use that as an excuse. You need to be built up. You need somebody to come underneath you and say, why are you afraid to share Christ in the marketplace? Why are you afraid to be marked among those who are called the heroes of faith? who have been persecuted and beaten and martyred for the sake of Christ. You should be proud. 
Don't forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some. And then he goes on to say, why? Because all the day more while that horrible day of the Lord is quickly approaching. Skipping Sunday can become a habit, can't it? And that's what we're called not to do. Peter says we need to come together in the koinonia, the fellowship, the sharing of common interests. And you know what our common interest when we come here as a church is? If you look around, no one here looks the same. If you look around, no one here is of the same status, if that counts for anything. If you look around here, the one thing that we all have in common is the love of Christ that is within us. Amen? Amen. And that's what calls us in to be family. That's what draws us together is the fact that we can all praise the name of Jesus together in our commonality as brother and sister. And that's what's being called here. The Bible doesn't call it any other type of fellowship. In fact, the Bible uses the definite article before that. Okay, That is the. The fellowship. You see, there's tons of other types of fellowship. And we're going to see that next week, right? There's going to be the Rams fellowship. The Bengals fellowship. And then for the few that actually like Tom Brady, the Tom Brady Fellowship, but that already shipped, that ship sailed, right? I was actually hoping he would win another one, by the way, but oh, shame on me. Okay. But we all have a fellowship that we fall in line with, don't we? Well, the Bible says that the fellowship is the most important one, which is what we have in Christ together, which is the commonality of love and forgiveness and grace. And he says, don't lose sight of that. Because in your hard times, that's what builds you up. In your moments of weakness, that's your brother and sister coming alongside of you and building you up and encouraging you. In your moment of failure, that's your brother and sister coming around you with arms of love and encouraging you. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. If Jesus died to form this, as Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, we should do all we can to preserve it. All we can to build it. And all we can to be part of it. Rather than letting it go. So we have devoted to teaching. In other words, we must not hold God's Word under popular opinion. God's Word goes over popular opinion. Number two, we have fellowshipping and assembling together as brothers and sisters. Then we need to be devoted to the breaking of bread. Verse 42, it says, be devoted to the breaking of bread. Well, what does that mean? We just did the breaking of bread, but what is that really calling us to? Well, we see it lived out in verse 46. It says, Day by day they continued in the same mind in the temple into breaking bread from house to house. They were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity in heart. We remember the ordinance of Christ in the breaking of bread and the passing of the juice. 
which is remembering that Jesus died and rose again for us. But there's something deeper in the breaking of bread together. It's going around and encouraging one another around the table. I'm inviting you into my domain, into my home, because I care about you, and I want to learn about you, and I want you to be my family. I'm pulling you into my family where, where my kids sit and learn from me, and I'm drawing you in as one of those. I'm inviting you into my space because I care about you. And they went from house to house, day by day, devoted to one another, the breaking of bread. It's a deeper type of fellowship. It goes on and says, and they were devoted to prayer. In other words, they called out in one voice and one spirit for needs, for fears, for successes. Verse 47, it says, and they were praising God having favor with all the people. They would come together and they would pray prayers of, God, you're just awesome. They were fervently praying for the sick. They laid hands on people that had need. When ministry was going on, they prayed. When ministry was going on, they ate. They did everything together. When they rose, they prayed. Everything that they were doing, they were living in prayer. They were Bon Jovi. They were living on a prayer, brothers and sisters. (laughs) They prayed and made plans. They prayed when they didn't know what to do. They prayed for boldness in the face of persecution. And they prayed for power to see all of it through. But what sets them apart in their prayer life was after they prayed, they acted with devotion in all these things. It wasn't just prayer in the times of pain. It was prayer at all moments. It wasn't just devotion to every once in a while getting together. No, they were devoted to getting together all the time. They weren't just devoted to reading the Bible every once in a while. They were devoted to reading the Bible at all times and living it out. They had action. And one thing I noticed in all of this is that no one waited for a ministry to be developed. No one waited for a supper six to invite people over. No one waited for a prayer group to be formed. No one waited for the Bible study. No one waited for any of those things. No one waited for the deacons or the elders or the pastors. No, they were devoted on their own and committed on their own for the sake of Jesus Christ and the growth of the church. There's a word that describes what this came from. And it's that very simple word that we saw. They were devoted. They devoted themselves to biblical teaching, to getting together in fellowship, to getting personal and breaking bread, and to prayer. And Acts 2.47 says, And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Nowhere in this passage does it say, and they got the greatest lights and the best worship band. It didn't say that they had a great youth ministry or children's ministry. It didn't say that they had a dynamic preacher. 
No, it puts the onus on the people that came together in devotion. I want you guys to take time and assess. Are you regularly having actions that are devoted? Are you devoted to Jesus' Word? How often are you reading Scripture? I want you to ask, how often am I truly just getting into God's Word? Ask yourself, am I devoted to fellowship? Let me ask you, how's your church bond? How's your church bond? Are you plugging in on Sundays, on Wednesdays, in Sunday school, or any of those things? Today, when, when you're sitting across the table from somebody, I, I want you to ask them, how did you come to Christ? How, how did you find our church? I want you guys to grow together. They were de- uh, devoted to breaking bread. Are you celebrating God's salvation together? Are, are you inviting people into your home? that are part of this family that we call Fellowship of Southwest Community Church? Are you inviting them in? You know, one of the biggest things that people say about churches, and it's not just our church or anything like that, I'm not picking on it, it was an article I read, is that the reason why they don't go to church is because people click off and they don't invite other people in. When you see somebody new, do you go and invite them to be part of this fellowship and break bread with you? Are you devoted to prayer? How's your devotion to prayer look? How is your prayer life? Do you go to Him for everything? To add to hear, God wants to see your devotion to Him first. To grow, we have to start forming those healthy habits. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember... The only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.